GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and I am joined by a man who lied about all of his adventures at Costco and hired the man who is our guest today to help him cover it up. Hovercraft Joe, and we are joined by his co-conspirator, the Tush. Wow. I really, I really kind of hate you. We worked at Sam's Club. And you said Costco, so like that's what that was part of the thing you were lying about. That's what the lie was. Big fail. You kept saying Costco, but you really was in the Marine Reserves and claimed he was a special ops, like you know, like Navy SEAL soldier. So I know know. it's all part of your filthy lie. Well, I guess that one went over my head. I didn't. I didn't get that. That was too much of a think piece for me. So um, it's okay. (laughs) You'll get there. Uh, we're, uh, we're talking today about, uh, Bloodsport, uh, a movie that I'm surprised it's taken us this long to cover. And also a movie that once LPJ claimed that Lionheart was better than. So I just want to throw that out there. Go back and listen to the Lionheart. I'm going to, I'm going to reassess Go back and listen to the Lionheart episode and you'll see that LPJ said it's better than Bloodsport. I'm going to reassess that. I I will. I'm going to, I'm going to clarify my, clarify my stance on that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it, so- it's also a movie that is the favorite movie of a former president who actually on Air Force One would play an edited copy that only had the fights. I think we can all guess who that president was. I mean, I feel like the movie is pretty much Gerald just Ford. All- <laughs> <I> feel- <laughs> no, kind- well, let's make this podcast great again. That's crazy because I do kind of feel like the whole movie is basically just fights anyways. Yeah, it's true. Um. Okay. He's anyways, like, you know what? I just don't want to see Jean Claude Van Damme's buns. I got better <laughs> buns than him. You know, he's trying that to is, show them off. My buns are huge. That is, by the way, when we were talking about when we decided to do this movie, I asked the Tush about it. He's like, "Well, I gotta be on it." <laughs> Finally, that getting like, you out of movie with some, with some Tush. Um. Anyways, we'll cover all that. Uh, Bloodsport is released on February 26, 1988. Uh, it has a budget of $1.5 million and a gross of $11 million. And I forgot we skipped the whole, uh, Tush, what's your kind of uh, background, experience, whatever with this movie? I think our, all of ours is probably the same. We probably all saw it on Channel 20 as kids. <laughs> And you know, Channel Twenty is the UHF station of uh, in Detroit. You guys can look up what UHF means. It's not just a Weird Al movie. And then probably eventually, one point, like, oh hey, I'll see this. I'll, I'll like you know go and watch this on video from like you know Entertainment Tonight or something. And then it's just like, okay, yeah, it's the exact same movie minus Van Damme's buns. You know, I like the idea that you think people wouldn't know what UHF is as a channel, but they know that that's a Weird Al movie from the eighties. It's true. He knows, um, our, he knows our audience. Exactly. Um, now, is it is it something that you've watched a lot over the years, did you say? I certainly did. I feel like at a certain point I stopped, you know, because I there was like, it's it just like, I, I don't remember it being so bad, 
But <laughs> like, I definitely I used to watch it a lot as a kid. And yeah, then I must have at a certain point stopped without necessarily acknowledging it. But you know, we'll get into ratings and such later. But I haven't necessarily uh, kept up with it. I've never seen any of the sequels. Who now do are those the ones that star uh, Cody from uh, Step by Step? Or are the those no, are those are the kickboxer movies. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I honestly remember like the first time I've seen this or when the first time I saw this movie was, if I'm being honest with you. I feel like maybe it was something I watched in LPJ's basement on like a random day or something, but I I don't I, I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't give you an exact time that I remember seeing it. But I, do, I I've seen it a bunch, but um I do kind of maybe feel like you touched like it'd been a while since I sat down. I mean I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but it it's been a while since I sat down and watched while. <laughs> since I watched the movie from start to finish. So uh, what about you, LBJ? Yeah, pretty similar. Like, I don't know when I saw this movie for the first time. I would assume it was at, you know, one of the times in, in when I was eight or nine and rented it from Joy Super Video. I would I would imagine. That's <laughs> oh, man, was. there's a poll. Joy Ooh, Super oh, yeah, Video. Um because we had, I don't know if you remember, like my ninth, it was my, I think it was my ninth birthday, maybe my tenth. We had a, a Jean Claude Van Damme uh, movie night. Uh, I remember we watched Lionheart and uh, Death Warren. Death Warren. I think. Yeah, so, which yeah. which we haven't covered on the pod, but we definitely will at some yeah, point. Yeah, we definitely need to. Um, but I, I have a feeling that that's the first time I saw it is, is renting it, uh, and I've seen it. I after watching it this time around. Like I'm surprised at how much I remembered. Like I must have watched this a lot. I um, do feel like though, uh, and I think we talked about this on our episode on Kickboxer, is that I feel like that this and Kickboxer kind of like get yeah. in, intermingled in my brain because they're kind 100%. of very similar. Right, <laughs> the right. Plot to them. So I feel like like they just kind of combined into one movie, I think in my brain. Yeah. And I always, for whatever reason say, Oh, I've probably seen kickboxer more, but that is not the case. Like this is what I'm thinking about these two movies, kickboxer and Bloodsport. The scenes that I'm remembering are all from Bloodsport. Yeah. That was kind of like when we covered the bad boys movies and I was like, Oh, everything I remember about bad boys is from the second one. I don't right. remember the first one at all. So, um, but um Okay. Uh, so I talked about uh, the the budget and the gross. Uh, it has a Rotten Tomatoes of forty six percent, well above, well well above the nine percent of Beverly Hills Cop three, and an audience score of seventy four percent, which is, yeah, I, I, I guess that's yeah, I guess that's what I would expect. Um, top grossing movies of nineteen eighty eight. Uh, number one is Rain Man. Always throws me for a loop. Uh, number two, uh, one of uh, Tush's personal favorites, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And, movie. Great movie. Uh, and three is Coming to America. Uh, this also movie, <laughs> this movie, Bloodsport, comes in 81st in the domestic box office. Uh, other movies covered on this podcast from 1988 are number seven, Die Hard. Number 14, another personal favorite of the Tush, Willow. Uh, number 16, Rambo 3. And number 49, Action Jackson, which if you forget, uh, in the climax of the movie, he drives the car into a house, uh, up the stairs, I believe, and then has a karate fight with Craig T. Nelson. And he asks someone how they like their ribs before lighting them on fire. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. That movie is wild. (laughs) That movie is amazing. That movie is, because I had, man, 
All right, we can't talk about that movie now. Just no, go yeah, back and listen to the episode. Yeah, You'll go hear back how and listen. To, we are. Go back and listen to Action Jackson. It's surprisingly entertaining. Uh, as far as people in this movie, like this is what I got: uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, obviously, uh, Forrest Whitaker. I feel like a young Forrest Whitaker, oh, probably yeah. very early in his career, uh, yeah. and then Donald Gibb. I only know because he was ogre in the uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Bolo Young is Bolo kind of an international star. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and he's Chung Lee, right? Chung Lee. Yeah, yeah Chung Lee. Sorry. Chung Lee is the street it's fighter. It's Kristen Crew. And it will forever be. <laughs> no, it's uh Ming Nan Wing. Ming, Ming oh Nan. yeah, you're right. Um anybody else that you guys want to mention or uh there's a another guy in it, Michael Kissy. Uh, he's been in like every, he's Jean-Claude Van Damme's like best friend. He's in every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. He's the main bad guy in, uh, Lionheart. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, you guys want to do a few net worse? <laughs> yeah. Too bad. Too, too bad. We're doing them. Uh, first up is Donald Gibb. He's got that sweet, sweet revenge of the nerds money. Uh, Tush, what do you think for Donald Gibb? Oh, wow. Um, he's got that sweet, sweet Revenge of the Nerds Part 2 money. <laughs> um, I think he is worth $250,000. Okay. What do you think, LPJ? He's got that sweet, sweet made-for-TV Revenge of the Nerds Part 3 money, guys. Ooh. <laughs> and sure I'm surprised he's still alive. Um, I'm going to say he is... Ninety thousand dollars. Uh, actually, four million dollars for Donald. Oh, man, that dude invests. Oh, yeah, wow, four million dollars. So gotta, I'm looking this up. What is he doing now? <laughs> he probably, you know what? He's probably an early entrant, like entrant into like the you know the the uh, Comic Con like game and stuff. Right. You know? I don't know. And again, you know, I always look these up from the same website, so who knows? But no, I found so. it. Here's what it is. He is the co-owner of a Chicago bar called Trader Todd's, which has a beer called Ogre Beer, which is sold locally in the area as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's where he's got his four Chicago, million. Right? He has a he has a, a successful bar and beer. Good, good for good, him. Good for Ogre. Yep. Uh Next up, uh, Forrest Whitaker. He's got that sweet, sweet ghost dog way of the samurai you money, which is an awesome movie, by the way. <laughs> what? Okay, before before we get back into the network, what, can you succinctly tell me what that movie's about? He's a guy who just basically decided to live his life as a samurai, <clears throat> and he works for the mob as an assassin. But he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, so the mob decides to kill him, and so he's going. But he won't kill the like the main mob guy because it's his retainer. And it's 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 like music. It's a Jim Jarmusch film. It's music by the RZA. It's a good flip. And he goes by the name of Ghost Dog in it. Ghost Dog. Okay. Anyway, so he's got that sweet, sweet Ghost Dog way of the samurai money. What do you think, uh, LPJ? He's got that sweet, sweet Lee Daniels the Butler money. (laughs) (laughs) I win. Uh, I'm gonna go fifty million. Okay, what do you think, uh, Tish? He's got that sweet, sweet last king of Scotland money. I'm gonna go sixty million. Uh, Twenty-five million dollars for Ghost Dog. Okay. I mean, for Swinger, twenty-five for Ghost million dollars. If you tell him Ghost Dog, he'll appreciate it. Uh, okay, and then finally, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme himself. 
covered him so many times. He's got that sweet, sweet one time he made a guest appearance on Las Vegas that Jody always talks about uh, money. What do you think, Kush, uh, for Sean Claude Van Damme? He's got that sweet, sweet lead on air money. <laughs> um, I think he's got fifty million. Okay, what do you think, uh, LBJ? Mind you, you probably guessed this and heard this like yeah. ten or eleven times. And on guess the podcast. who doesn't retain anything? Um, he's got that sweet, sweet spiritual successor to this movie, The Quest Money. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. 45 million 30 million dollars 30 million i wonder how much he would have had if he hadn't sniffed so much up his nose that's the real question how much how many more millions would he have um lpj you got anything about like the writer director of this movie well um i guess we'll start with the crux of this movie so this movie kind of became a thing due to the writer Sheldon Lettich, who wrote and directed a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, like uh, uh, um, why am I blanking on Lionheart? Like Lionheart, Legionnaire, and all that stuff. He also did uh, Rambo. He wrote Rambo 3 and directed Ram- or wrote Rambo 3 with Sylvester Stallone, and I think directed Rambo 3 also. Um Double impact. Double impact. Yeah, he did a lot of a lot of John Claude Van, St- Van Damme stuff. But he read an article about Frank Dukes in this Black Belt magazine from 1980, where Frank Dukes basically talked about the Kumite. So all this, the whole movie is is stories based on this dude named Frank Dukes who claimed he was in the military in as as a as a as a reserve marine but also worked undercover for the CIA in uh, black ops missions uh, and entered the Kumite just, you know, on a whim because he's a master ninjutsu artist and um, won 56 consecutive rounds and won the Kumite. Um, and so I guess th- this direct, this writer, Sheldon Ledich, talked to him and kind of collected all these stories and made a movie about him, realizing that they're all bullshit. But then Frank Dukes went out and wrote a book about it, claiming all of it was true. And then slowly over the years, all the people involved that he's mentioned in this book that are still alive have come out and said, yeah, all of it's BS. It's complete fabrication. The man's delusional. He was a reserve Marine who uh, two years in was sent to their uh, psychiatric evaluation center and said that he had like delusions and things. I, so, like, really, this comes, this and like that comes out of an era when people thought martial arts were way more than th- what they are. Like, because I feel like since the UFC has become a thing, people realize, like, oh, okay, that's what martial arts is. You can't have fifty-six fights in a weekend and be okay. You know, <laughs> like it's just like no, it's like that's not a thing. Like, there's no such thing as. That's like, the point thing is they use that thing in the movie, the deck touch, right? That that thing that you know the bricks. It's, I would describe it as... You would do what? I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Oh, he's frozen. Yeah, so there's his death touch. So he does uh he 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 basically blows up a brick with his hand, but he can pick which brick he wants. There's a stack of bricks, and he says, pick a brick. And he hits the top brick and the bottom one explodes. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just like 
there's like if it's just like a really easy YouTube do- dive dive. It doesn't have to be that deep. Of just like yeah, type in Frank Dukes and it'll be like you know Baz Rutten explaining. Oh yeah, this is why Frank Dukes is full of shit. You know, like it's just all kinds. It's just it's completely fabricated. Some people say he doesn't know any martial arts at all, and then like it's also the whole concept of ninjutsu is a fake martial art. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh man, David just lighting stuff on fire. <clears throat> yep, and uh, and and he claims that he won. So his description of the tournament was that there's 60 rounds, so it's a single elimination tournament. <laughs> if there were 60 rounds, the number of entrants would be over two million. <laughs> <laughs> so just mathematically, it's impossible. <laughs> uh, yeah, is, it's, it's is Frank insane. Duke still alive? Apparently, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's wild. But yeah, okay, I, I, you're like, I can't opportunity, even... based on what we said, to challenge Frank Dukes to a fight. <laughs> I, I, well, it's funny because I always knew that, like, uh, that you know that he basically it was based on his stories and that they weren't true and all stuff. But I guess I never knew to the extent of kind of like how crazy some of this stuff is. Yeah, just read. I mean, I was really the easiest way to do it. Just go to the Wikipedia page for him, and it'll list like it'll give you a kind of a breakdown of all the stuff that he claims and how they were able to disprove all of it. Um, it's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And what's crazier is this movie is presented as a true life depiction of what actually happened to Frank Dukes. Yeah. At the end, there's like a title card where it lists yeah. like all the stuff as if it's fact and all the records he holds and stuff like that. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, but it's crazy. The Kumite is not, a thing in real life. No, that was it. No. They can't. Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not real. <laughs> like, there's no tournament. They were talking to like what, are the, what some of the investigation they did is they would go out and they would interview all of these different um, martial arts masters from around the world. And they all basically said the same thing. Like if there was a giant organized underground martial arts tournament, people would know about it. Like it yeah. wouldn't be hard to find. People would there'd be other people who have won it. Yeah. There'd be other people who have won it, <laughs> who have said things about it. Like you'd, you'd know. Did you, and, I, and I'm sorry, uh, we kind of went down this rabbit hole about Frank Dukes. Did you mention the director? Oh, no, I didn't. Newt Arnold. I did not. Um, okay. He doesn't do a ton. Um, yeah. He basically just was, he was like an assistant director on Godfather part two. Um, and he worked, he's an older director. So he, he, this was one of the, one of the only films he directed. He didn't do a whole lot. Okay. Well, he's mostly an assistant director for some random things. Uh, okay. You guys want to hear some, uh, taglines? Sure. All right. First you got the secret contest where the world's greatest warriors fight to a fight in a battle to the death, which I take, uh, first of all, it's not a fight to yeah, it's not a fight to the death. It's not supposed to be, at least. Um, the next one is also false because it says the true story of an American ninja. <laughs> and then the last one is based on the real story of the great white dragon. <laughs> That's kind of racist. Which would add, so really, I guess we should establish that there is like kind of concept of this movie. It's a little racist to begin with. Like, so just be like the one, the one guy, you know, uh, Ogre has no skill, like no discernible skills 
but he's fairly good just based on his whiteness. And then the best guy is the white guy who knows ninjutsu. I don't listen. We're gonna get more into Ogre and Jackson and his qualifications as we get into the plot. I have a, a lot of thoughts. Basically, all my talking points are about Jackson in this movie yeah. because, like, I don't know. I don't ever think I ever critically assessed his him being in this movie and how this uh, is a love story between two men, one of whom is mentally handicapped, and him and this perhaps you, both of whom are mentally handicapped. Like, I have so many thoughts about Ray Jackson. Um, just we'll get into him. I don't, I don't want to, you know, like list yeah. them all out, but um, anything else specifically that you want to mention, or should we just get into the plot? I think we just need to get into it. Yeah, let's okay. get into it. There's so much to get into. There let's get into it. Okay. There's a little first part of the movie that I forgot existed. <laughs> so, okay. So the movie opens with like the crew and they're, it's like a crew and they're building and they're getting everything around for the Kumite, you know, setting up the decor, if you will, and getting the mat out and all that stuff. Um, and we also get like a, a montage of dudes training for the Kumite. And that one guy is just karate chopping coconuts. Which I was like, oh, I guess that's a great training method. Um, so then we cut to Jean-Claude Van Damme, Frank Dukes, and he's uh, on a military base, but it's, you know, like they never say where or anything like that. Uh, and, and he's training and, and this dude comes, he's like, hey, the, the colonel found out that you're going to Hong Kong and like, you can't go to Hong Kong. Uh, and Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, all right, well, I'll go talk to the colonel. I'm going to take a shower. But then he like sneaks off the base. Right. And I love the the whole crux of this is he can't go to Hong Kong because he's so valuable to the military <laughs> that if he leaves, True. even for a couple days, the military might implode. Like exactly. Like they, and also hurt, they put too much money in him, right? Because you know they they. I, like apparently they built him like a cyborg. Well, or... I was I was just gonna say like I was just gonna say like what like he's so valuable to the military because they like what they send him out into a gunfight and he's like karate. Yeah, like... or like they put like special like you know, like well they like oh no we have to buy him extra weights you know we he can't just use the weights we bought for the other soldiers. I don't get it, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, so he goes off to uh, see the guy that trained him, uh, Tanaka. Yeah, um, it, which kicks into like a very long flashback sequence. It kind of jumps around, and I had a hard time kind of gauging the time frame yeah. of this of this uh, uh, flashback. I, I do like when they flashback to. <laughs> Sorry, okay. go ahead. I just thought it's something ridiculous. Go ahead. They flash back to him as a kid when he's introduced to Tanaka. Uh, a couple thoughts. One, this kid playing young Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme is the worst actor I've ever seen in any movie ever. Yeah. And also, I like the idea that he's just a fan of giants in general. Yes. This, he, yeah. bring up. This, was, this was pointed out in How Did This Get Made, that they pointed out that he is wearing a, a, a New York Giants uh, hat no. and a San Francisco Giants shirt and the other way around. Reverse, way around. reverse, yeah. yeah. He's wearing, yeah. But it's like, why? Were they just confused? And were like, ah, it's giant stuff? Or like... Also, I think the kid was trying to sound like, okay, let's go with like, you know, a Belgian, French, French, what uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme sounds like. But it just comes off as handicapped. You know, maybe... Yeah, it kind of does. You know, it, just, it really does. It's just like, and just like his whole thing of like, Kind of the blank moon look on his face, you know. It's just like he just like it's real weird. It's yeah. kind of real awkward. Yeah. So like this, this is my understanding of the flashback. 
and if I'm missing something, feel free to free it in. So fill it in. So we're introduced to him as a fan of Giants in general. As a kid, uh, he breaks into the house. Um, uh, dude cuts the bill of his head off with the katana. Uh, uh, why can't I think of the name of the, the master's name now? Um, Tanaka. Tanaka convinces Jean-Claude Van Damme's parents who <clears throat> came to the U.S. to make wine to let him train Jean-Claude Van Damme as a kid. But really, he just wants Jean-Claude Van Damme to be there to basically, because he's training his son, he needs someone for his son to like fight with, spar with, and beat up, right? Yeah, and act as like his, yeah. his like bodyguard, essentially, at school. But then we cut ahead to an unknown period of time. Jean-Claude Van Damme is fully grown up, but Tanaka's son is dead at this point, but we're never exactly told how he died, right? It was the 80s, so we can assume it was either cocaine or AIDS. <laughs> Because it's like, I don't know if we were supposed to believe that like that dude went to fight in the Kumite and lost or, or no, was killed. In I, I think maybe he was killed in Vietnam. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So then uh, he dies. They're not entirely sure. But then he, uh, he eventually agrees to train Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, and, and then we get within the flashback a montage of Jean-Claude Van Damme getting trained by Tanaka. And there's that one point where he just like basically ties him up in ropes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it, it's essentially genital torture. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And yeah. like he, he learns to serve tea blind and, you know, like lots of stuff like that. Gets hit in the ribs with like sticks and stuff. Um, but then the flashback is over. But like I said, it's confusing because it goes from being kid to him being like Jean-Claude Van Damme as he looks throughout the whole movie, but it's still in the past. Anyways, so he goes to Hong Kong. Uh, he, he first meets Ray Jackson on a bus. Ray Jackson shows up on the bus drinking a beer and like <laughs> hits on a uh, a woman. I like He's like, oh, I'm too handsome. Is that it? He's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, he, he's, he's comes very... in acting like a villain, basically. <laughs> right. It, he's, you know, he's supposed to be the stereotypical American in a foreign land. Right. So then, like, that's how I act in foreign lands. Lands every time I go. So, so we're at the hotel. Except normally, you uh, end up arrested after you hit on women. Well, that's we're true. At, we're at the hotel with a concussion. I hit a brick against my head. We're at, we're at the hotel, and we're first introduced to a reporter who took me like literally three more pages of notes to realize that her name was Janice because I don't know if they ever say it until he says Janice later on in the movie. But her, her name's Janice. Oh, yeah. line, that is her name. Her first it? line is asking two Chinese guys if it's their first time in Hong Kong. <laughs> Couldn't they have had her asking that to anyone else? It's true. Hey, and, your first time in Hong Kong? And her whole thing is she's trying to find out about the Kumite. More on Janice later. Um, so then uh, Jackson and Jean-Claude Van Damme, they bond over playing this karate video game uh, in the in the uh, like lobby of the hotel they're staying at, right? And um, Van Damme's real-life uh, ninjutsu skills completely translate to the video game. Well, sure. Okay. I mean, obviously. I have a question for you. And it's, it's a meet cute, my, by the way. That's a meet cute. It's a meet cute. This is in my notes. Um because like Ray Jackson keeps referring to him as kid and all this stuff. Like, how old is Jean Claude Van Damme supposed to be in this movie? I'd say late twenties, maybe oh, mid twenties. I don't even think late twenties. I think it's probably like early twenties. 
Yeah, I could see that. Because but he, assuming, so assuming he went into the military, Frank Dukes did. Assuming he went into the military right after, right after like high school, right? He'd be like maybe 18, 19, 20-ish. This takes place sometime in that in that time frame, that like 75 to 81 window. So he's probably in his early 20s. Okay. At a time when video games like that did not exist yet. Correct. <laughs> uh, okay. So then we're introduced to uh, the army investigators or whatever that they, because yeah. that, again, as we've established, I think, it, they, I think they're the MPs, right? MPs, yeah, they're MPs, yeah. yeah. One of them is Forrest Whitaker. The other one is, I don't know. I'm just going to keep calling him Forrest Old Whitaker. white guy. I'm going to call him like Forrest Whitaker and his his partner. Uh, but again, as we discussed it, Jean-Claude Van Damme is so important that they got to send him to get get. They got to go after him and find him. Um, uh, Jackson and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme are assigned basically like a guide or like a handler for the Kumite because they're the representatives from North America. Um, who, who I essentially, he's essentially uh, Asian Argyle from uh, <laughs> from Die Hard. <laughs> it's not, not, not a bad uh, comparison. Um, so he takes them to where they're holding the Kumite. That's where you get the great shot. And I a gif I will often send if I'm talking about anything to do with USA sports where the guy's like, okay, USA. <laughs> um, but what's the thing where, like, it, it, maybe it's not important, but they describe, like, where in Hong Kong they're holding the Kumite. It's, it is a thing. It's basically yeah. – so at the time – Hong Kong was still part of the British Empire, but there was one part that was essentially controlled by mainland China. But it was just like a it was a a slum built on top of a slum built on top of a slum. Right. And but because the Chinese, the mainland Chinese, kind of controlled it, they would never. The England just they you know they kept wanting to bulldoze it, but China was like no. But almost as soon as China took over themselves, like oh yeah, we're bulldozing this shit. <laughs> right. you know? It was called the Walled City. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So here's where I'm going to get into a little bit of my talking points. So they show up and the guys are like, hey, we got to see your invitation to fight in the Kumite. <laughs> Presumably, this tournament is for the greatest fighters in the world, right? In the world. How is Ray Jackson in? Why is he in this tournament? How did he get invited? Like, I don't understand. Like, you, when you, we see him fight a couple of times, and he, he doesn't have any skills. He's just, like, a bruiser. He's a bar fighter. Yes. I, so I it, makes, it makes zero sense. Well, at that time, he had joined Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. You know, <laughs> after he was originally part of the bad guys. But at that time, he had joined Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. So they, he, they probably used some of their international connections. It seemed like, you know, like Bernie Casey and some of those other guys were pretty tough, so they probably got him in there. And just to like belabor the point a little bit more, like like Ogre hands over his invite. They're like, "Cool, obviously you're one of the best fighters in the world." The Jean Claude Van Damme gets an invite. They're like, "Hold on a second, you're representing the Tanaka clan. We don't buy it. We're gonna make you do do the whatever it is test uh, to prove that you are." Uh, and that's when they're like, well, you got to break this brick. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll break the brick. And they're like, no, brick at the bottom of the pile. And he somehow does that thing where he hits the top and then the bottom brick explodes. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but it's just so funny to me that it's like, Jackson, no problem. You're obviously uh, qualified to be here. Hold on a second, dude. I think, I think what, the, what the intent was is they didn't expect a quote-unquote white American to be representing the Tanaka clan. I, I mean, I guess I get that, but uh, any, I don't know. I Jackson's involvement in this movie, I mean, I think it's just because they had to have somebody with some personality in this movie. Oh, he's, yeah, that's clear. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, they're like yeah. hey, Donald Gibb, Forrest Whitaker, this, a lot of this movie rests on your shoulders somehow. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and this character is not made up, f- I mean, it's made up for this movie, but this is based on information that Frank Dukes gave oh. them. Like, he claimed it was like a, some American jujitsu fighter or right. something, you know. Um, okay, so then uh, Forrest Whitaker and his partner they arrive in Hong Kong and they like talk to the police about how they're trying to find Frank Dukes, blah blah blah. So then, like, cut back to the the hotel. Jean Claude Van Damme saves Janice from getting raped, I guess, because she's like talking to this dude and he's kind of like, oh, come up to my hotel room or yeah, whatever. Yeah, some Saudi sheik or something who, <laughs> you know, because the Saudis are well known for their indigenous martial arts, you know? I yeah. mean, everyone knows. You know? it's like, he's, also, yeah. he's also got one giant gold tooth. Um, uh, and he's kind of like, hey, you know what? Because the, 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 one of the rules of the Kumite is you're not allowed to fight outside of the Kumite, right? So Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, okay, tell you what. If I can snatch this coin out of your hand, this quarter, it, without before you can close it, then you have to leave her alone. But if not, I guess you get to have your way with her. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. So I like how we, like just the show where like, oh, can you do this? They flash back to the training montage where he's like grabbing koi fish out of a pond. Right. Um, so he snatches it, and then the guy's like, ha-ha, sucker, it's still in my hand, but it's like a different coin. So not only was he fast enough <laughs> to grab the quarter, but he also replaced it with a different coin. It's true. I would say it's the most ominous meat cute I've ever seen in a movie. Like, oh, hey, remember the time we met and you almost got raped and I made a bargain about it? Yeah. And had I lost, you would have been raped. Exactly. <laughs> and I would have just apparently been like, all right, well, I guess, you know what? I lost. You, you won the bet, guys. So. so then we cut to the next morning. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is doing the splits between two chairs. He does the splits so much in this movie. Like, Last I know that's... I know that that's like a hallmark of Jean-Claude Van Damme, but I feel like this movie, he does the splits so much. Like, yeah. Um, and and uh, Jackson's like, you might want to have kids someday. It's like, I don't think you understand how testicles work, Jackson. <laughs> um, so the Kumite starts, and I like that it's supposed to be this hidden underground secret tournament, but there's a pretty big crowd there watching it. <laughs> Like, yeah, there's, li- there's literally bleachers built uh, well, around it. And then I, I want to bring this up too. So the whole thing is organized by this, like it's supposed to be this legitimate like martial arts community, like whether the Black Dragons or whatever they are. Um, yeah, whatever it is. And you know, there's there's rules, there's a scoring system, there's judges. Like it's supposed to be a legit tournament. Why does it have to be underground? Well, it's still controlled by the triads, though. At least they control the venue. Okay, that's fair. I get that part. But again, why have yeah. a legitimate agency come in and run it then? And what and what what uh income supports this? Sure. And if and if it's a legitimate tournament, how come at the climax of the movie when he when uh Chong Lee throws the powder in 
uh, Jean Calvante and Zai, they're not like, whoa, hold on, stop for a second. That's illegal. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can't do everyone that. Everyone would drink powder if you were allowed to throw powder. Right. <laughs> Everybody would get Mr. Fuji. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> you, you laugh, but in my notes, I said he throws powder in his eyes just like Mr. Fuji. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's his move. Um, so, so anyway, so they talk about how the only way to win in a fight is either to uh, by knockout by knocking the guy off the runway or like the mat, the, the ring, yep. if you will, or to make him submit and say mate, right? So uh, then the, the tournament kicks off. Uh, we see Jackson's first fight. And again, he has no technique. He does this like, and I like that he like, he beats some random guy and then he just starts taunting Chong Lee and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, whoa, calm down, buddy. You've got 54 more rounds to go. <laughs> it's just like so funny. He wins one fight and he taunts Chong Lee and he tells him, I'm going to kill you. It cracks me up. Um, so, uh, and like we said, Chong Lee, uh, we're introducing him. He's the current champion or the, the reigning champion. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme wins his first fight and he sets a new record for like fastest knockout. Um, and I, I believe it's it's the uh, the the guy that was going to rape the reporter that he knocks out. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. it is. Uh, because he gets his gold teeth, tooth knocked out, and there's that little bit where there's like the janitor of the Kumite where he makes a he has like one real scene and he makes a real meal out of it where he like sees the gold tooth and he grabs it and he like bites it to make sure it's real. Can you just make sure it's real later rather than putting a bloody tooth in your mouth. <laughs> uh, then we get just like a montage of more fights. Um, uh, the inspector finds out uh, and tells Forrest Whitaker uh, where Jean-Claude Van Damme is staying. They go to the hotel. They're like, Frank, you got to come back with us. They pull out those tasers, and they're like, don't make us tase you, bro. Those are wild uh, tasers, too. Yeah, they look like <laughs> dustbusters. They did. They were <laughs> dustbusters-sized tasers. Um, but then, uh, then so then uh, Jackson tackles him and he gets away. So then you get like they chase Jean Claude Van Damme through the streets of Hong Kong. Couple of things with this one: if you haven't ever seen the thing that someone made where they basically put this scene to a Mentos commercial, <laughs> do it's yourself great. a favor and I'll I'll post it in the Discord because it is, and, and I think it's been posted in the before, but it's so good and it. It, it works better than you could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. But also, like, I don't, like, I understand with the movie, but, like, he's, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme is, like, hamming it up in this chase scene so much where if he was just trying to get away from him, but he keeps, like, stopping and, like, waving to him. <laughs> like, it's so and It's ridiculous because I know where his hotel room is. He's got to go back there at some point anyway. Yeah, and he seemingly does go back to the hotel. Well, he was planning on sleeping somewhere else that night. <laughs> well, yeah, because then, he, so he gets away from them, uh, and he and he goes on a date with the reporter, uh, and they go to the Bone Zone, uh, and then we get Tush's uh, Jean Claude Van Damme uh, Tush it's, shot it's as he's pulling two of the shot, and also. You know, the thing is, in 80s movies, it was like, okay, you'd watch them as a kid because there's going to be some boobs, right? But yeah, this, we, he could, this one is literally, like, she could be wearing, like, a burqa. That's how much of her skin is covered. Yeah, like, how do we not see Jesus' boobs in this movie? Yeah, like, it's just like, well, I mean, okay, we should probably address it. This movie's, this movie's kind of gay, you know? <laughs> There's congenital the torture, a, a love story yeah. between two men, just 
tush, like gratuitous tush. It's like yeah, it's it's yeah, not even like tush. Production this movie it was out and proud. It's not even tush. I mean, it's like a glamour shot of his butt as he's pulling on like yeah, bikini cut that up beforehand. You know, <laughs> it's so weird. Um, okay, so okay. This this movie is already crazy, but now I feel like there's some things that are kind of really going off the rails. So, like they just met and they slept to slept with each other, but they're they're like apparently madly in love now. Like they really fell for each other really fast, which is funny because at the end they're just like, "Hey, bye, see ya." <laughs> um, so then, like the Kumite, <laughs> they they apparently keep a really tight schedule because they're really mad that like Jean Claude Van Damme is like a little late. For they, that well, they day. got 60 rounds they got to get through. They but, got 2 million people they got to pull through this event. They don't have time here, to waste. Here's the thing that maybe the most ridiculous and funniest thing to me in the movie. So he's in the hotel room with the reporter, right? He's like, I got to go to the Kumite and leaves. She's like, take me. He's like, I can't take you to the Kumite. Then we cut to them being mad that he's late. He shows up. She is already there. At the site, posing as like an escort, I guess, oh, yeah. in a dress and all she, hair done up. She, she is beat, dolled she, up. She beat with a him giant there. Giant 80s tape recorder she's secretly recording stuff with. But she beat him there. Yeah. So she, she got dressed. She found someone to take her. Like, it makes no sense at all. He probably stopped to do the splits for an hour. Why didn't they have her show up after he was already there? And why didn't he really acknowledge her? I don't know. So then, then we like. I feel like his liaison with her was the last gasp of his heterosexuality. He just wanted to give it one more, one more college try <laughs> until he fully committed Jackson, and then like, like, okay, yeah, she's around, but whatever. That's fair. So, so then we then we cut to another fight, and we cut to a, a like a pretty like we see the whole fight of two non men characters for some yeah. reason, like. We see a lot of it. We see, uh, we see, uh, the, the, one guy, the, the Muay Thai guy is like a world class Muay Thai champion. And, uh, they had to tell him to tone it down so that they didn't make, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme look bad. <laughs> oh, like the so, Spanish guy, the, the guy called like guy, Pedro, yeah. mm-hmm. who was so, basically uh, Vega, you know, before Vega was Vega. Well, I'll bring that up later, but yes. So Jean Claude Van Damme wins another fight. Chong Lee wins a fight, but he breaks a guy's leg so bad that the bone pops out, which is kind of gross. Uh, and then, as Dave mentioned, um, <laughs> Janice pulls out this tape recorder, and it's like, it's so suspicious. She's got this giant, it looks like a talk boy from Home Alone yeah. 2, and she kind of like leans over. Credit card, like, you got it. She like leans over and is like talking into it. Oh man, it's really funny. Um, so, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme wins another fight, uh, and then we see him, be- we keep seeing him beat guys, uh, I like, uh, when he beats that guy who is not trash-talking, but I guess, like, trash-gesturing him. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of, like, does, like, across the neck, and he doesn't say anything, but he makes a lot of gestures, like, threatening gestures, but he loses anyways. Um, 
So uh, we also see the fight where Jean-Claude Van Damme wins. Uh, I think he beats the uh, sumo wrestler by doing the splits yeah. and punching him in the dick. Yes. Like an upper, like an upper wrestler looks like he's about 62 years old. <laughs> like he beats him by doing the splits in an uppercut to he, the he dick. He literally, he punches his taint. That's, like, that's how much of an uppercut this is. Which is like the second time within the last four episodes of this podcast where someone's uh, go-to move in a fight is doing the splits and punching a guy in the dick. Although, Johnny Cage. To, to be correct, to be, to be, to give proper credit, that's where they got this from. They, they, oh. blitz, the, the Johnny Cage is all based on this character. That's true. That is, that is true. Uh, okay. So then Jackson, <laughs> oh Jesus. So Jackson goes up against Chong Lee and he like, he gets, a couple of hits in, like punches. I'm like, I think Chong Lee is down, and he celebrates like way too much. He's like cheering. He's like, "Yeah, I got you, I got you," and he's just like dancing around. And then, of course, like Chong Lee like gets up and just just beats his ass. And like, I thought maybe he killed him, but he doesn't kill him. He just beats him up really bad, and then he's in the hospital. Um, and, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is really upset about it, but it kind of seems like Jackson's not in that bad of shape. I mean, I, he's in the hospital, yes. Sure. But it's but it's but he's not dead. He's never like, you know, like, I don't no, know. He seems fine. He's in the hospital drinking beer and yucking it up with everybody who comes in. Well, not at first. When he first visited him, he's still like in a coma or something. Okay, he's not fair, like, fair enough. Uh, so then, uh, yeah, so he's in the hospital. That's when the reporter, Janice, uh, she decides that she, because she's so in love with Jean-Claude Van Damme, she doesn't want him fighting in the Kumite anymore. Uh, and he's like, no, I got to fight in the Kumite. So then she immediately goes to the cops and narcs on him. <laughs> and then we get that, the then, we get, then we get that scene where I, this, like, another favorite scene in this movie is like, a sad Jean-Claude Van Damme riding the bus in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. And then it's like a montage of, like, stuff that just happened, like, three minutes ago (laughs) and then it culminates with him just like meditating and doing the splits on top of like a temple in Hong Kong. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so then the cops and Forrest Whitaker, they show up at the Kumite site to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. The cops brought like five cops, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They brought five cops to hide in the various alcoves in the hallway. Yeah. Just so Jean-Claude Van Damme can turn and be like, I'm like punching him one on one instead of fighting him out of mass. And then oh, they go to oh, use, oh, they go to use their dustbuster tasers, and he blocks it with like a garbage can, <laughs> and it shocks two cops. As you do, and they're kind of they're kind of just like, hey, you know what? All right, fine, just go ahead and fight, whatever. Just like come to the airport the next day. Um. So Jean Claude Van Damme makes it into the finals. He wins his last fight. We see Chong Lee's last fight, um, and, and he kills a dude in the fight. And I like how it's like, well. It's not really a fight to the death, and we're not happy you did this, but we're going to show our uh, dissatisfaction by standing up the judges and, like, turning their backs to him. But they don't kick him out of the tournament. No. It's just, uh, you jerk. That's about it. <laughs> They're like, hey, that's not cool. But uh, So then we're getting ready to the finals. I don't understand why the platform has to be changed for the finals, but they do announce they're like, prepare the platform for the finals because they kind of, like, Oh, they, did, the they just up. make it into an adjustable bed is essentially what it is. <laughs> they, like, pop the ends up for no reason. Um, so, yeah. So then uh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Chong Lee in the final fight. I do like that before the fight, we see, like, Chong Lee's trainer, like, pass him, like, the salt tablet yeah. or whatever. And he apparently just tucks it into the waistband of his shorts and it stays put the whole fight. He must have those cinched up real tight. 
<laughs> yeah. Because uh, he ends, he's getting his ass kicked pretty bad. And that's like, like I said in my note, it literally says Chong Lee throws powder in JCVD's eyes like he's Mr. Fuji or something. And then you get those like great shots of like so <laughs> many oh, man. slow motion shots of like so, uh, of yelling and <laughs> it's like he, it's like just showing you oh no he's blind it's like no we get that he's blind the powder in his eyes would indicate that he's blind you know and that's where I don't understand the rules of the Gumanay because I don't understand it seems regulated why they weren't like hold on stop a second you clearly threw powder in his eyes like that's not allowed. Or, like, to Tush's point, if it is allowed, why didn't everyone do that? Right. Um, but luckily, as we established from when he was blocking punches and serving tea while blindfolded, not being able to see is not a problem for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, he ends up kicking the shit out of Chong Lee, and, like, an ultimate insult, he makes him say mate, uh, and he says mate, and he takes <laughs> Jackson's Harley Davidson <laughs> do-rag back. And so he wins the Kumite, and they give him a sword, I guess, for winning the Kumite. Right. Give, him a, give him a katana, you know. He finally and, won the katana, guys. He finally earned it. And then he goes to visit uh, Jackson in the hospital. That's where he's drinking a beer. Um, and, and he meets, uh, like, it's funny because, like, he's, he tells Forrest Whitaker and the partner that he's like, I'll meet you at the airport. And they get there, and they're like, where is he? He screwed us again. And then, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme walks out. He's already on the way. the part where he kisses Jackson on the cheek. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Or really, probably closer to his ear, you know. There's a nibble. Uh, so so yeah. he pops out of the airplane. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm waiting for you. Uh, and then, like, Wow, JCBD, are you here? Did well, he just he's walk here in? Again? He's been oh, here in the past. Wow. So, you know. And I finally get to see him. Uh, so then, like, and then, like, <laughs> Janice is just like stepping off an airport shuttle, and even though they're madly in love, she just kind of waves. It's like, "Hey, see you, good luck." No, she gives him the, well, she she gives like the salute. Oh, that's right. She gives him... Have they established that no. that's a salute yet? Or... No, they didn't yeah. establish that at all. That was not established. It's like, yeah. you know what? Let's throw this into the end and give him the salute. I was, wa- I don't know what wa- that means. I was wondering because, like, she does. She like puts she put basically puts a fist into like an open hand, open hand, and then like bows. <laughs> And he repeats it, and I'm like, "Wait, is that established earlier in the movie?" Um, but yeah, so that's the end. And then, well, no, then we get a bunch of bullshit facts about Frank Dukes at the yeah. very end, yeah, and about how he like went undefeated and blah blah blah, and all the records he holds. But it's all bullshit. So <sighs> that's the end. That's the end. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, you got any uh, role reversals? <laughs> No, I don't have any role reversals for this. Are you kidding me? I don't know. They weren't. They weren't. You know, they weren't workshopping talent for this. They just got whoever <laughs> they could get cheap. Like, hey, do you kind of look like you know karate? <laughs> no. Nah, okay, we have to let you in. Are you good at smashing karate chopping coconuts? <laughs> I like how that guy, by the That's, way, is like, just... the thing is, we we kind of glossed over that character because. It's dicey. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dicey. We could get into trouble talking about that character. It's dicey, and I like how well, he's defeated. He's defeated by a bear hug from the sumo wrestler. And that was yeah. that was one of the things I wanted to bring up. So, the lasting legacy of this movie, essentially, is this movie did a lot to popularize the idea of a mixed martial arts style fighting tournament, essentially. Um, and it, it, I don't want to say it was directly 
influential in the UFC, but it certainly brought a lot of attention to different fighting styles and how they would necessarily match up against each other, where you have someone doing Muay Thai versus, you know, a sumo wrestler versus a, a kickboxer and, and so on. Um, and then on the other side of that, it also influenced video games dramatically. Like, this movie is cited as one of the main influences for the Street Fighter series and for the uh, um, Mortal Kombat series. Like, Johnny Cage yeah. was made to be uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, specifically in this movie, uh, but also as Jean-Claude Van Damme, the actor as well. Um, um, doesn't doesn't the new uh, Mortal Kombat game have a downloadable Jean-Claude Van Damme skin for Johnny Cage? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. But then on top of that, if you look at the all the characters in this movie, you've got uh, a Muay Thai fighter like Sagat. You've got a sumo wrestler like um, E. Honda. You've got uh, the monkey fighting guy, which is essentially Blanca. Is who he is. Someone named Chong Lee instead of Chun Lee. <laughs> right, right. But he's, you know, he, he is essentially like the the big villain in it, you know, so he's like a bison almost. Um but that kind of whole that the whole idea sort of stemmed from this movie. So it's it's hugely influential in in multimedia in general and not just, you know, not just Well, I I was street I was Street Fighter had a guy that every time you landed a bunch, he's like, Yeah, I did it. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't land. He was he was part of the early rounds, part of the early cuts, and didn't make it. Or every time he wins a fight, he looks at M. Bison. He's like, "I'm gonna kill you." Yes. <laughs> exactly. You know what? He's Ken, basically, just useless. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, is um, I want to look up something. I keep talking for a second. I want to look something up real quick. All right. Is it more pictures of Van Damme's butt. No, I got those saved, dude. That's good. Is it is it feet pictures? No, it's not. Do you feet need pictures. more? I can have. We can have the listeners send you some. No, yeah. no. I just it, it's. I, I I was looking it up because I thought it was the case, but I I'm kind of curious to watch Bloodsport too because uh, Donald Gibb reprises his role as Ray Jackson in Bloodsport too. Is so. it called like the Dark Kumite or something? Like I think uh, magic starts to get involved involved as the series goes magic. on. This, this this one is maybe later on. This one's just called Bloodsport Two. Okay, uh, nineteen ninety six. The next Kumite. No, it's just called Bloodsport Two. Oh, I have a. It's I, I have a subtitle here too. Oh, I just see it says Bloodsport Two, and it apparently has uh, Pat Morita in it too. So and James Hong, guys. <laughs> Philip. Tyne. So like, like, hey, calling all old guy Asian actors <laughs> in our movie. Um. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Should we just get into our ratings on this? Yeah, we might as well. All right. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right, let me hit the button. All right, who, uh, how do you want to do this? Why don't you go first? Sure. You never go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, this, okay, so I, I have a, f- a few issues with this movie. The whole, <laughs> the whole, flashback backstory thing i forgot existed um for as many times as i've seen this movie i always forget it's a thing uh and it's kind of dumb it doesn't make a lot of sense kind of Mm -hmm. and one of the other things that really irks me about this movie is the constant cat noise do you guys know what i'm talking about there is a constant cat meow throughout (laughs) this entire movie during all of the fight scenes 
I think you, you were watching with one of your cats. Like no, I'm not. <laughs> no, every time, every time I've seen it on multiple different platforms, you have to. You'll hear it. You'll hear a cat, a cat meow. You mentioned this to me, and I don't specifically think I noticed it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. So what's happening right meow? <laughs> so Discord, let us know. Yes. Are there <laughs> Discord? Yeah. Are there cat sounds in the fights of this movie? Now I'm not sure what you're hearing. Wow, is that what we're doing now? Is that that what we're doing? Meow. I can hang up on you at any point. <laughs> but anyway, um, I enjoy this movie, and I, and we we got about we talked about this at the beginning. How I said, uh, Lionheart, Lionheart is, is the better movie. I want to rephrase that. I think Lionheart is the movie I like better. Okay, but this is the better movie. But it's so, not, still not that good. Oh, I enjoy it. I think this is a like for what it is. Other than the yeah, fact okay, that it's that, kind of dumb, you know, with that, the plot. That's fair. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to step on your review. No, you're fine. But you know, it's not going to win any awards, obviously. But it's still super entertaining in the best possible way, like in a dumb kind of way. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it three and a half machine guns because it's watchable. Um, it's got good fight scenes in it. Uh, it's pretty iconic as far as like martial arts movies go um mm-hmm. it is dumb but it's it's a good kind of dumb uh so yeah this is three and a half machine guns for me uh tush why don't you go okay i'll go meow um so <laughs> i okay that's the thing like i said like i I'm like i remember up. loving it as a what keep going just, just keep talking okay. he's just I remember loving something. it as a kid but again watching it now it's just like oh like like there's just I do think that maybe sometimes it's one of those things where part of the issue is that it was so influential that other movies did it, did this, a lot of stuff later and better than it. Like, you know, it's like, and that's, that's, that's that can be some kind of issue. So, like, for like a, I can definitely acknowledge how it was kind of iconic, but, you know, like, the acting is, I mean, it says that Donald Gibb is the best actor by far <laughs> in the movie, you know? I mean, okay, Forrest, Forrest Whitaker and Donald Gibb are both. They're both really good, but they're not in it that much, you know. And it's just like, yeah, it, like I like I said, we know so much more about martial arts now that it's just like, okay, some of the stuff is, is just stupid, you know. Um, I'm gonna give it two and a half machine guns. I still like it, but again, also it's missing some of those great '80s movies qualities of you know, like like female nudity instead of just like <laughs> those really hard, you know. It's, it's like I feel like. It, you know, it's missing some things, and it's just like, you know, but it's a good cult movie, and it's worth a watch, but I'm still going to stick with Two and a Half Machine Guns. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think I'm all uh, kind of agreeing with both of you at different points. Um, Like, is this movie dumb? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's dumb. and uh, But but it is a lot of fun, though, Like, and, and the fights are cool in it, like, it is essentially just, you know, it's like second time in like a month we've covered a movie that's essentially just a bunch of fights. Um, but the fights are cool, and, and you know it's done with like real martial arts people, so like they look cool. Uh, and it definitely is, uh, I, I mean, it's iconic. Like people know this movie and have seen this movie, and it's not super long. It's a fun watch. Uh, I, I almost feel like if I were to watch again, I'd start after the flashback scene. Though. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, something, which is something that Hovercraft Joe says a lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but may, because like that whole scene is pointless. 
but like all the fights and stuff are cool and like Ray Jackson is like befuddling to me is that he's like in this tournament like I kind of like him and I love when he wins the fight and tells Chuggly he's gonna kill him um <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm gonna be like kind of right in between you two I'm gonna give it three machine guns okay guys have we missed an opportunity though and we didn't repeatedly say kind of drawing attention to it in this movie Oscar winner Forrest Whitaker <laughs> well, there is an Oscar winner in this movie. He was an Oscar winner yet. He was still like fl- okay. fresh out of platoon. Yeah. For he'll be a nominee year. pretty soon. So I think he was nominated for the Crying Game, and that was only a couple years later. Maybe. So, yeah. Right. But how, Listen, how, how far removed from Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai was he? Oh, oh, this is about fifteen, yeah. uh, like you know, fifteen years. Uh, so I put a link in the chat here. I'm gonna play it now. This is the the cat sounds. So I'm gonna play it so you can hear it. Watch this, Frankie. I'm going to show you how it's done, buddy. Tell me you heard him. I heard literally nothing. I hear it in that video. Yes, that's how it is throughout the entire movie. But I didn't hear I hear it in that video, but I did not hear it at all while I was watching the movie. Yes, so. go just go back, put on just the fight scene. You will hear it in the background. Constantly. I mean, it's I feel so like annoying. I was I feel like I was keyed up to be listening for that time. If I were a less classy gentleman, I might say you have pussy on the brain. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you made it for this episode. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, everyone let us know about the cat sounds. I mean, I, I heard them in that video, but that's not the movie. Maybe somebody just like hammed it up in that one. You're full of shit. That's thank, thanks, Frank Dukes. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Anything else we want to add for this movie? I'm good. Okay. Anything you want to plug? Dave, uh, Tush, what do you want to plug? Oh, you know what? Okay. My book is going to be out by the end of the year. It's going to be on Amazon. There's a couple of things I'm wrapping up. I actually realized, oh, I should really write a summary for this. So people just don't see like, oh, here's a cover and buy it. Also, I'm going to have a short story collection out pretty soon, too. But I really want to um, plug Tubi because I watch this on Tubi yeah. and its selection is spectacular. <laughs> the commercials are there are less commercials than if you were to watch it on TV or if you don't pay for no ads on Hulu, there's less commercials than Hulu. Like if you don't pay, it's like it's like I think I maybe watched in the entirety of this movie. I think I watched like four commercials, like not commercial breaks, like four commercials. And yeah, sure. You know, yeah, Tubi is kind was, of awesome. It was it has a, a great like selection of foreign films and like just like it's it's really really good. So yeah, yeah. Tubi. <laughs> um, well, Dave stole my Tubi plug, but yes, this movie was on Tubi, and I watched it on Tubi. And like you said, the ads are pretty uh, uh not that intrusive and just for especially for uh fans of this podcast like i scrolled through like just like the the highlights of like the action movies that it was offering me and there's like some good stuff on there so i mean yeah at this point if you're a regular listener and you don't have Tubi and you're like arsenal you really should make it uh, part of it um but also as always i want to plug um uh, pluto tv also that's got a lot of stuff. It's kind of below Tubi in my brain, but you know, it's still pretty good. Uh, and 
I recently watched uh, the Monster Squad for the first time ever, and it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> That Wolfman does have nards. Wolfman does have nards, and that's. Would you say that your main complaint was all the cat sounds in the movie? <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I, it, it was fine. I, I guess I thought it was one of those things where it was like, oh man, I can't believe I never saw this movie when I was a kid. Like it's a big, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, I guess maybe it would have been different if I had yeah, saw it in 1987. And then you're also like. Man, there's an awful lot of hate speech in this movie for kids. uh, Yeah, there is a hundred percent, and that was the first (laughs) thing I was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Oh, it's not a movie I would show my thirteen-year-old. Yeah, I immediately, and it's right, it's really front-loaded, and I immediately was like, "Uh oh." Um, But yeah, um, and we're recording this. Uh, I I do have it's on Max, and I'm gonna try and watch. uh, I've never seen The Lost Boys, but I'm gonna try and watch that. That one's good. You'll like The Lost Boys. All right, maybe you won't. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I enjoyed it. Sexy sax man. Lots of saxophone. Uh, What What about you, LVJ? What do you want to plug? Discord, like always. Uh, Join the Discord. Chat with us. We've been we've been getting a lot of people kind of popping in lately. Uh, A lot of a lot of fresh faces, which we enjoy because it's. uh, I don't know. It's it's nice when somebody new pops in because it sparks new conversations or reignites old conversations. Um, True, and we love it. Uh, we get a lot of a uh, lot of lot of messages on uh, Instagram too. So thank you for everybody who who pops into Instagram and, and, and on Facebook and, too. and on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we read all of them. We appreciate all the uh, the feedback, and uh, I think LPJ will agree with me. It's always. <laughs> kind of weird for us when you hear people I mean we love it and, and it's very appreciated but when people talk about you know getting excited to listen to the podcast and how you know like it's yeah. it's it, it's a weird thing I mean we love it and it's it, we always love hearing it and it's great the feedback but it's just I think it's kind of weird for us because sometimes we're just like oh we're just sitting here being dumb if you want to hop on the discord and talk about a movie you love I will hop on there and tell you why you're wrong it's true. Tish does that a lot. Um, Tish, I did want to ask you the last thing before we completely wrap this up. Uh, we celebrated 250 episodes. You weren't on that episode. It was a couple episodes ago. Uh, but I've been asking all the guests, what is, if you were going to recommend to listeners one of the episodes that you were on, like, what would you what would you tell people to listen to? I think to? either Universal Soldier. I think that, that was a great one. That was one of my first ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Conan the Barbarian said, love that movie so much. That was episode 200, I believe, actually. Yeah. I I wish I could remember which episode I posed the Ultimate Warrior question on. If you won't get into. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those are, those are two I definitely say that you should check out. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think, uh, was Not, I on No Holds Barred? I might have been on No Holds Barred. We never did No Holds Barred. You, 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 you did Suburban Commando. Commando. You suburban were Commando, yeah. Check out Suburban Commando. That's also a very good episode. I'm fairly certain that was the one. Yeah, that probably about was my you, one. You, you don't want to. You don't want to recommend people listen to uh, Half As Dead. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was a. Uh, that that was something. That was literally, I think, when this whole podcast is done and dusted, and we have like a retrospective and talk about like our five worst movies we ever watched. Half As Dead is definitely on my list. Yeah, or, that movie's if, terrible. If you want to listen to an episode that's just basically like an hour of two men talking about how much they love Denzel Washington, listen to The Equalizer. 
Because LPJ and I love Denzel. <laughs> oh, man. That's yes. I still haven't seen the third one yet. I have to watch the third one. It's so good. It has one of the coolest deaths I've ever seen in the movie. Don't don't spoil it for me. I will watch it at some point. I just haven't yet. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Tush, thanks for being here. Yeah, Tush, thanks as always. Thank you for having me. Sure. I look forward to uh, 250 more. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's 100% going to happen. Hovercraft Joe, thanks for being here again. We appreciate you stepping in. You know, luckily, my luckily my Friday was free. So. Love it. Love the fact that your Friday. Hey, by the way, uh, yeah. just out of curiosity, when is Sphinx coming back so I can stop doing this? You know, <laughs> he kind of he's he's kind of ghosted me. I don't know. I it's don't know. the riddle of the Sphinx. <laughs> there it is. There Man, it is. wouldn't people be surprised if you started doing this a couple weeks later? I was gone. It was just you and Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. You know what, guys? Golf season's almost over. Maybe. Hey, man, I forgot how this show used to not be as good. Wow. Wrap it up. Good Lord. All right. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>